This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 470 with Tanya Coleman. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode Four seven zero. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Tanya Coleman is the owner of Soiree Event Design, a full-service event planning, styling, and graphic design studio, and she's the founder of the Partypreneur School of Party Planning, a course and coaching program that teaches new and aspiring party planners how to transform their hobby into a money-making business. She is a busy wife and a mom of five, and after over 20 years as a small business owner, she is all about that entrepreneurial life. She has worked with many businesses, brands, and celebrities over the years and is humbled to do what she loves every day. She most recently launched the Partypreneurs 101 Squad, her signature membership program inside the Partypreneurs School of Party Planning, which brings all her Partypreneur 101 courses, products, and coaching programs under one roof and an affordable price so more women can follow in her footsteps of creating a business you love while making real money so that you can live the lifestyle you want. Tanya and I are friends from a mastermind I was in. We were both formerly in. And recently, through Facebook stalking, as you know I do, and we've been connected on Facebook for quite a while and supporting each other on Facebook for quite a while, but recently through Facebook, I got to see her daughter, Faith, her teenage daughter, Faith, stand up as an activist in her community, resulting in getting her on the Today Show, which was really, really, really cool. So I wanted to talk to Tanya about her work with party planning, but I really wanted to talk to her about everything that was going on with Faith, her daughter, this teenage daughter who just, oh my gosh, is like the epitome of badassery right now. So prepare yourself because Faith's story is going to blow you away. So listen in to hear Tanya share how Faith was censored at school, how she spoke up, stood up, and organized a protest to support Black history and denounce censorship, how Faith chose to show up after George Floyd's death, resulting in getting herself on the Today Show, Faith's lesson to just throw the rock, to start one thing to create ripples of impact. How Tanya cultivated confidence and built something from nothing by showing up as the person she wanted to become. Her motto around don't let the defeats define you and why it's okay to turn a fun hobby into a business. Yes, it is okay to make money doing fun things. This is a really, really great conversation. I had so much fun with Tanya. We talked about a lot of things of big impact. So I cannot wait 
for you to listen in. I know you're going to love it. Also, Tanya has a special offer for you all. So listen in. And if you are interested in her Partypreneurs 101 squad, you can go to the show notes, find the link for that. And then you can sign up with a special discount, $100 off if you use the discount code SQUAD founder, all one word, all caps. That's all noted in the show notes. So go to the link in the show notes and then use the discount code squad founder to save a hundred dollars off your membership. All right. With all that said, let's dive in with Tanya Coleman. Tanya, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm super excited to have you here today. I am so excited to have this conversation. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. I always have to tell people how we know each other. So Tanya and I were in a business coaching group. Like, was it a year ago that we met in person? It's been about a year. Oh my gosh. I have like no concept of time right now. Time is standing completely still right now. I wish it would move faster, to be honest. Yes. Like anything that happened more than four months ago was like five years ago. Yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But yeah, we met in that group and it was, we totally hit it off. And we have, I have to say, I always laugh when like, because I have loud, like high pressure energy. And when the first conversation we had, I was like, Tanya has this really like chill energy that's like really (laughs) mellow and soft. And I always get excited to do interviews with people who have the opposite energy of me because I'm like, this will calm me down a little bit. Oh, that's funny. Girl, I don't know. I can get rowdy now. So I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm prepared. (laughs) I'm prepared. I appreciate the warning. (laughs) We'll see where this takes us then. So, okay. I want you to tell us we're recording this in the middle of July or the end of July. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We are in the middle of a cultural revolution, which you're going to be talking about because there's been some really interesting ways that that, the revolution has impacted your life directly. But I want to know how you're doing right now. (laughs) How are you doing? How are you coping? And where are you at? That is such a loaded question right now. It's like, I, I hate asking people that because there's so many like, okay, well, given what's going on, or, you know, you have to like prolong it. You got to give it some sort of context. But the general conversation or the way how to answer that for me is I'm doing really well and I'm blessed to be where we are right now. You know, we just found out that my sister got diagnosed with COVID yesterday. So that has put a big whammy on my, we were doing really great. There wasn't anyone in our immediate family or anyone in my immediate circles that were affected by COVID by the sickness itself. So that's been very interesting and trying to navigate feelings around that and, you know, trying to be there for her. And she's in Maryland and I'm in Minnesota. And, you know, even if we were like down the street, there's that barrier to even be with people you love. And it's so frustrating, but, you know, so that's pretty new. And, you know, those feelings are a little bit of a shock and all kind of thing at the moment. So I don't know if I'm feeling it at the moment just now, but outside of that, we're doing really well as a family and we're all here, all five of us in the same house, which has been interesting. And, you know, things are moving right along as we cope with this new normal we find ourselves in. And with five of you in the house, tell us the ages of your kids. Like, what is this household dynamic that you have? Yeah. So outside the house, I'm actually a mom of five kids and they range in age from 27 to eight. So the five that are currently in the home with us right now are the 24 year old. My son's 24. He moved back here right during the pandemic because I just need to have him close. He was in Vegas and I was like, no, honey, I'm going to need you to be home with me so I can (laughs) monitor what you're doing. So he's back here with us. And then my younger kids range in age. They're 16. Well, actually, he just turned 17. Oh my God, time is flying. You know what? When kids are turning different ages, during this pandemic, I don't even think it counts. So I think we should just just <laughs> get rid of it. Let's just fast forward to next year. Right. But yeah, she's 17 and that's Faith. And then Riley is turning 13 next year. So she's 12 now. And then my son is eight. And then my husband's home. He's been working from home with me. And you know, I work from home all the time. So it's not new for me, but it's new for everyone else. Yeah, it's new to have a lot of people under the roof at the same time, all of the time. Girl, and to say that I still love these people, or to actually say that I still like these people is a big thing because they are totally in my space right now. You know, this is mommy's domain during the day. And so that has been a huge adjustment. But yeah, I just knew my husband and I specifically were going to have issues with that. But oh my God, we've been doing so great. It's been like a fringe benefit. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Yeah, it's interesting. I would have never thought I could have survived the way we are. So 
there's days where I feel like we're thriving. And then there's other days that I feel very much the opposite of that. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting what you do when you don't have another choice, like what you are capable of and how you can figure things out. Yes, yes. We as women, we adapt, honey. Okay, so we figure out a way. Yes, yes. Okay, I want to talk about recently your daughter, Faith. So you said she's 17? Yep. Okay, so she was recently censored in her school environment. And I want you to tell us about this situation and what happened and how Faith responded. Yeah, so it was really interesting. And just as a quick backstory, so I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, and I grew up in pretty predominantly black neighborhood, black schools, black areas. And so I never in a million years knew that black history was not being taught in our school system on a regular basis, like it was for me when I grew up. So when we moved here to Minnesota, we're in a predominantly white neighborhood, predominantly white schools. And my kids, I found out way into their schooling here that they were not receiving black history at school. And so I'm like, well, surely they're celebrating black history month. I mean, come on, that's the easiest out you can possibly have. So come to find out they weren't. And my daughter, Faith specifically, she was a Jew. No, she was a sophomore at the time at the high school, local high school here. And her and her classmates were irritated that there wasn't anything going on in February. We're already They were two weeks into February at this point. They had just celebrated Valentine's Day at her school with this long, week-long celebration, pep rally at the end of it. It was kind of like a spirit week kind of thing. And her and her friends were like, well, this is great and everything, but what about Black History Month? February is Black History Month. So they went and had a meeting with their principal about it and wanted to know what his plans were. Of course, he didn't have any, but they were prepared, girl. They had a whole script full, like literally a script from top to bottom of what they were going to say in this meeting. And my daughter led the meeting and there were about six kids in the room and they came prepared with a whole list of things they wanted to do to celebrate Black history. And one of the things was a poster series. So what they wanted to do was kind of take up a whole week, similar to what they did for Valentine's Day, And, you know, each day of the week, they wanted to put up a new poster that would celebrate some sort of cultural moment or historical moment in Black history. So I remember, I think it was President's Day, they were all off from school and they all got together. And I was like, listen, if when I was y'all age, I was not thinking about a school project on my day off. So I was already giving them high five. (laughs) I know. Okay, for even having that kind of devotion, right? So they're all getting together and they're they're working on the themes and the people they wanted to highlight. And they worked physically on the first one. So they took the first poster in on that Monday. Actually, it was that Tuesday because Monday they were off from school, took it in the next day. And my daughter was called down to the office and was basically asked to give her reasonings on why they chose the people they chose on the list because they submitted the list of topics as well as the physical first poster. And, you know, she went through, Faith had to explain, you know, why these people were important to her and why they were important to Black people in general. And she was told, well, we don't think this first one and a few people that are on the list are going to be appropriate. And so in her asking more questions, like, what do you mean? Like, who exactly are you talking about? And so it ended up where the poster itself that they had sitting there highlighted Huey P. Newton from the Black Panther Party. There was an explanation on it of the Black Fist, the iconic Black Fist we all know and love now, and, you know, what where that came from and what it means to Black people. And then the Black Lives Matter movement was on it. So those three topics were on this first poster, and they said no to that one because it was too controversial. So then she goes down the list of the people and topics on the list. And she also said that Emmett Till, Tamir Rice, and Malcolm X would not be allowed either. So, and then just to give you kind of a context of the full list, the people that were allowed were like President Obama, Michelle Obama, Frederick Douglass was allowed, uh, Rosa Parks, Coretta Scott King, Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan. Anyone who fit into the white version of American history slash black history. Yeah. And specifically those people who don't make white people feel uncomfortable. Let's just be honest. Yeah. 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 No, that's an important distinction. Yeah. Yeah. So that just, you know, she left out of that meeting and she immediately called me and she's like, mom, they won't let me put my posters up. And I'm like, why? You know? And so, 
she w- went down the list of, you know, who all they also said no to. And I immediately went to, oh, hell no, you're not about to just tell us that, you know, only people who don't make you feel uncomfortable is allowed to be celebrated and or highlighted on the walls of this high school because that is exactly censorship. So I, you know, I called and had a conversation with the principal and assistant principal. And the one thing that stood out the most, like literally floored me was they said, well, Tanya, we have to meet the community where they are. And I'm just like, what community are you referring to? Because me and my family live here. We're not the only Black family in town. There's lots of diversity in our area, and it's becoming more and more diverse every year. Y'all better get with it, because I don't know what community you're referring to or what you're trying to hold on to, but those times have gone. So we had this huge conversation about censorship, and when Faith finally came home that day, she and her friends were livid, and then they were already ready with step to Plan B, and they arranged an in-school protest, and they organized all the kids of color in the school, and they walked from one end of the school to the other, and what she was really blown away by was the amount of support from her white peers. And so as they were walking down the hallway chanting Black History Uncensored, is what they chose to uh, chant with the fist in the air and the whole thing, you know, their white peers were joining in with them and walking down the hall. And so it was heartwarming for her to see that, you know, it's not everyone who has this, you know, antiquated feeling. And so that was really good. And she just came home and said, listen, this, this is what we're going to do. I said, listen, I'm going to need you to go through the handbook and find out all the rules. As long as you stay within the rules, then I'm all for it. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners 
listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. So my husband and I said, go for it. And they did it and it went off and they were met with some backlash. There were some white kids at the end of the protest that stood there with all Lives matter signs and held them up and which was against the rules, by the way. So Faith and her friends, none of them held up any signs, any written signs that would be against the rules. So they just put their black fists up in the air. So yeah, they met with a little bit of backlash, but you know, that was kind of to be expected, but there was more support than there was negativity in a couple of people that were at the end of that line. So that was a very proud mama moment for me to see my child say, no, this is not okay. And I'm just not going to sit back and let this happen. So that's so exciting. And that was February of this year, or was it last year? That was February of last year. Okay. Oh my gosh. And so I'm curious, after that happened, then how does that connect to Faith's activism after George Floyd's death. And I know that there's some things, specific things that she did during that time that I'm going to let you share. But I'm curious, I'm wondering, or I'm guessing that like having that moment of like standing up, speaking out, being a leader in that way. Oh my gosh, like for a high school girl, that's such a huge moment of growth. I'm curious how that kind of launched her into the space to have the voice that she's had this year. Yeah. So the second thing that we did right after that was we decided we were going to protest against what came out of the conversation with the high school, which was that we need to meet the community where they are. So when she came home, me as an event planner, I was like, oh, okay, well, we're going to go meet the community where they are then. <laughs> oh my God, I love this. I'm like, okay. You're like, oh, I have the perfect party planned for this. Let's go. <laughs> yes. So we went downtown Chaska and we rented out a facility and literally we pulled it together in a matter of a week and Faith advertised it on social media and she got all of her friends together and they put together a program and they finished all seven posters. So they went ahead and finished all the posters and they put them all on display they had video presentations. Faith got up and spoke. And at the end of, girl, first of all, it was standing room only. Let me start there. So the community came out. And that was my whole mission in doing this is that I wanted Faith and her friends because they were broken after this and they were devastated in that they were so excited and putting together this packet and bringing it to the principal, you know, having the audacity to speak truth to power and all of that. And, and to have that smack down just with no real reason other than racism, to be honest. And there's no other reason behind censoring Black history in that way. And I looked at, as a mom, I went back and even looked at the poster that they turned in to make sure that no one was putting the middle finger up or there wasn't anything, you know, inflammatory or anything on the posters or, and it wasn't, it was super factual. There was nothing on it that would entice or incite anything. And so I didn't understand and I didn't want them, but I'm a grown person and I've lived life, you know, and these are young kids and I didn't want them to leave with the feeling of defeat in that way. And so this event was important because one, yes, you stood up inside of your school. That is amazing. But outside of school, you need to get into this community and let them know, too, we're not going to be this is not okay. And yes, this is happening in your own backyards and our community needs to meet us where we are. And so we had this event and they came and it was amazing. There was so much love in that room and, you know, Faith and her friends, I let them have that, you know, do what they wanted to do. And at the end of it, it was such an impromptu moment, but she stood up at the podium and she called all the kids up to the front of the room with her. And literally, there were so many in the room that they made this huge circle all the way around the room. And they're holding hands. And, you know, she's just telling them, you know, listen, you guys, we're all here together. We're in this together. Our history should be celebrated. And um, if anybody is feeling down, look to each other side to side. And we're all one. We're each other's keeper kind of thing. I mean, I don't know where she got this stuff. But as a mom, I'm bawling. Yes, I would have been just bawling and not even able to take it in. Oh, my God. God, I'm bawling. Like, who is this kid? And then, you know, they raise, she has them all raise their hands above their heads. And I mean, oh my God, it was just a moment. So I think something sparked in her from that. Something sparked because from that day, she has been advocating over and over, not only about racial justice, but climate change. And she just 
as a kid, you know, Faith's always been that type of child where she feels things pretty deeply. So I wasn't surprised in how she felt and what her feelings were about it, but I was surprised in her taking action on it because that's, you know, you can feel something, but, you know, you can feel it and go sit in your bedroom, but, you know, going feeling something and then coming out and saying, no, this is not happening and doing something about it is a whole nother thing. And I didn't really know that was there. And so I was very surprised by that. So that was the spark. And then it just kept going. And so she kept asking, you know, things because, you know, that past year was horrible for police brutality. And it was just death after death after death. And, you know, we would talk about it as a family because I'm my husband and I, we don't want to raise our kids in a vacuum. We want them to know this is what's going on in the world. You know, this is what's happening. This is how you have to deal with it. This is how you have to prepare yourself so that they're able to navigate the world when they leave our house. So we don't really sugarcoat much here. And so they were very well aware of everything that was going on. And Faith, when COVID hit, And the recent murder of George Floyd was here in Minnesota. So it was all over the television. It was everywhere. There was no missing what happened here. And so, you know, all the kids from our eight-year-old to our 24-year-old that are in the house all knew what was going on. We watched the news coverage. And with the pandemic happening and all the protests that started popping up in our areas, Faith kept asking. Faith and my older son actually kept asking, can we go to the protest? Can we go to the protest? And I'm in a high-risk category for COVID, so our shutdown down. Our quarantine is serious around here. So that was a no, no, like, uh-uh. and I would have been down there. Me and my husband, we would have been down there with them right beside them protesting in those streets if we could have. So it forced her to try to find another way to protest. And I think what we did with the Black History 365 event that we did back in February to protest against what happened. You know, she did a a physical protest, but then we actually did something out of the box and a little different. I think that helped her figure out, well, let me look and see how I can protest in a different way. So we had gone down, we drove down to Minneapolis with um, some supplies. They were doing a bunch of food and supply drives for people affected by the rioting and the looting and that the grocery stores were shut down and people were having a hard time getting supplies. So we drove down there, we took all the kids and, you know, just to watch them looking out the window and seeing in real time, buildings were still on fire, smoldering, and, you know, there were protests happening and all this is going on. And, and I could just see Faith's hand on the handle of the door. And just wanting to get out and just go out there and stand and protest. And in the car, we just had to have a conversation where there's other ways that you can protest. And when we got home that night, she came down at about 1030 at night and had this beautiful portrait of George Floyd that she had drawn. And I was like, wow, where did that come from? And, you know, she just went on and on about she needed to find a way she needed to find an outlet for how she was feeling. And earlier that day, we were watching the news and they were talking with Gianna's mom, which is George Floyd's daughter. And, you know, she's young and, you know, she connected with her specifically and how she would be feeling losing a dad that young. And she wanted her piece, which she drew. I'm sure you've seen it now. It's been everywhere. Yeah, it's stunning. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. She drew up with a halo and wings. And that has gotten so much backlash, by the way. Oh, my gosh. I mean, there's so much hate out there. It's just mind blowing. But, you know, in her explanation of it, she was like, I wanted to draw George Floyd the way Gianna saw him. And I wanted her to remember him in the way that she knows. And so that's where that came from. And she said, a little girl, her dad is everything. And to a little girl, he'll be an angel and he'll be in heaven and he's with God. And that's how I want her to remember him. Yeah. So the drawing is amazing. And it's a beautiful piece of art, which she has now turned into being able to sell in various ways. And also it landed her on the Today Show, correct? Yeah. So tell us about this. Because I and I, I'll just from like my little simple perspective, I was like, oh, I'm following on Facebook as I'm seeing that she did this amazing drawing. And then it was shared that did she make put it on a blanket? Yeah. Okay. Because I saw it in a couple different posts about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then there was a GoFundMe was set up. And I was like, this is so amazing. And then she like surpassed her goal on the like all these things were happening. And then all of a sudden it was like, and now she's gonna be on the Today Show. And I was like, oh my gosh, what has happened? Like, this is amazing. So tell us how that happened. I know. Oh my gosh. 
it was such a whirlwind. And then, you know, it was a very mixed feeling, however, though, because, you know, the pain of what was happening in our community as a black family was so real to us that it was hard to celebrate what was happening to her. Do you know what I mean? So it was a very fine line that we had to kind of navigate. And the way the whole thing came up with her artwork being showcased at all three of George Floyd's memorial services was my husband's best friend works for SD's funeral home, which was the funeral home who was in charge of all three of the services. And they knew that they wanted some sort of piece of art that they could showcase in the memorial service. And so the family had seen um, Faith's drawing online. Because after she did it, she posted it and it had gotten, you know, viral and went around. And they asked if this could be the artwork for the services. And so, you know, of course, she was super excited and said, yes, of course. But her one caveat was when they told her that they were going to have her artwork on a blanket and that the blanket would be at the funeral. Her one request was, listen, I did this for Gianna. Can I please make sure that she gets a blanket? Because I want her to be able to wrap up in her dad when this is all over. And I was just like, oh my God. So they agreed. And we did not know that her artwork was going to be at all three memorial services. We thought it was just going to be at the one here. And Faith actually went to that one here and presented the blanket to the family at the memorial service that was here. And we didn't know it was going to be on stage either. We just thought it was going to be a, you know, like a gift, kind of a keepsake. They would just give the family privately. So when we turned on CNN and watched, it was the first time we saw that. Oh my God. And so we're you're like, oh my God, you know, and so we're just like, come on, I've got my phone out and I'm taking screenshots of, with my phone with CNN and her artwork up there. I'm like, oh my God. But then again, then we're grieving at the same time. Do you know what I mean? And so it's like this weird. Yeah, like so conflicting. Yeah, it was so weird. And we were so humbled by all of the attention that it got. And we weren't expecting it to be as big as it was and as iconic as it will end up being with, you know, it being in all these services. So it was, it got the, obviously the attention of the Today Show producers and a friend of mine is a PR person. So they reached out to her and she's like, oh yeah, I know her mom. And, you know, so that kind of how that went. And she was interviewed for the Today Show and they wanted really to know about her activism and how teens and Gen Z, girl, Gen Z are doing the damn thing. I'm like, what in the world? I mean, oh, yeah, like the hope It's so, yeah, there's so many things to be hopeless about. And there's so many things to be hopeful about. Like, you have to pick where which direction you look sometimes. Yes, I am like, so excited and amped. And they really pump me up. And I want to just get behind them and just lift them up at this point, because clearly we're not doing the right thing. And we're not doing enough fast enough. But these kids are not playing games. And so I was excited that the Today Show decided to do that piece. And at first, it was just going to be like a, a roundtable kind of thing, like one segment with a bunch of teens kind of in the same segment. But I really applaud them because they felt that Gen Z really needed to get the necessary exposure. And they all had such powerful stories that they wanted to break them up. So they featured a different teen activist every day. And so Faith ended up being one of those teens. And yeah, it was definitely a moment. It was definitely surreal to see her on such a, a big platform. And yeah, it's just been incredible. And we're just really, really blessed. And, you know, she suffers from depression. And so this, you know, on top of everything else, I was worried as a mom, you know, how would all of this affect her? And you know, and how as a mom do I even navigate being real with her and letting her know what's going on in the world, but then also be fearful of, is this too much, you know, as fighting depression every day? So, but this has had the most opposite effect. And so she has seen so much support and people just really get behind her. And I have just seen her take off. And it's just so amazing to see young people who aren't afraid to get out there in those streets. They're not afraid to say what they need to say. They're using social media in ways that I'm like, wow. And it's just been amazing. And I'm just proud to be her mom and proud to have a little small part to play in it. Oh my gosh. One of the things I want to really highlight is that I think that 
this actually came up after the I went to the Women's March in Washington in January of 2016. Mm-hmm. And people in my inner circle were like very supportive and thought it was really awesome that I went and people were marching all over the country. And but then there was a group, there was definitely people who were like, marching is ridiculous. And it's a waste of time and blah, 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 like all sorts of things. And then there was also people who were like, well, that's just not how I choose to do it. Like I'm going to, you know, use my voice and my power in other ways. And so what I think is really interesting around what faith has done is that she wanted to be out marching. She couldn't be out marching because of keeping the family safe and because of COVID. And I think that activism can look like so many different things. And sometimes we get really stuck in like, well, but if I can't march and that's what everyone's doing, then I can't do anything at all. Right. Or if I'm not out there marching, then people are going to assume this certain thing that like, I'm not on the right side of history or whatever the thing is. And there's just all sorts of opinions about it. And I think what's so beautiful in this case is that it sounds like, you know, you could tell that Faith really wanted to be out there, but she also pushed herself to show up in ways that she could. And I think that this is something we talk a lot about in our community is that like, for me to stand up and speak out on a microphone is not scary, but I understand for other people that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And so what are the ways that you can show up that are authentic to you and allow you to use your gifts? Because that's how you're going to have the deepest impact. And this is a perfect example. Like she used her biggest gifts to have impact. And I think that that's just amazing. And this is what activism can look like for everyone. Exactly, exactly. And especially when, you know, she has been getting a lot of messages from other teens from a result of this, which has been so great, because they're asking her, like, what can I do? What can I do? And, you know, she's saying like, well, what are you good at? You know, do you have social media? Do you, how many followers do you have? You have 10? Great. Do you have a hundred? Great. Do you have a thousand? Great. Because she calls it the ripple effect. And so I'm going to just jack her for that because what she says, (laughs) (laughs) she says, well, mom, anybody can, you know, one small little pebble can go into a lake, a huge lake. But when that one rock hits that lake, there's so many ripples that come out from that, that all you need to do is throw the rock, just get in the lake. And then this ripple, you don't know who you're going to touch. You don't know who's going to hear you. You don't know who's going to see you, no matter what it is. And for her, it was her art. You know, for someone else, it could be a written piece. For someone else, it could be, you know, getting out there and standing with a microphone and protesting and, and all these things. But everybody can do something. And it doesn't have to be a talent. It can just be, hey, we need somebody, a phone bank. We just need people to get on the phone and call people. You know, everybody can mm-hmm. do something and everybody can make an impact in their own social circles, no matter how small they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I love just throw the rock. <laughs> just <laughs> throw the rock. <laughs> just throw the rock. That's so awesome. And such a like simple, but powerful way <laughs> to, you know, captivate the whole, the essence of ever, all of this. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about confidence because you, Faith has this essence of confidence in her. Like she just sounds, I mean, not that I'm sure I don't, it probably as a teenage girl often doesn't come easy and might not be super clear to her, but in everything that you've shared, I'm sure everyone listening is like, Oh my gosh, she's just so confident. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious how that's been modeled to her, because I think that often is how kids get these messages around how to lead with confidence is that they've seen it. So how do you cultivate confidence and what does confidence look like? And I know that it's saved you in many situations. So what does confidence look like for you and how do you cultivate confidence when things are hard and scary? Yeah. So, uh, well, the story for me for confidence and I'll, and then I'll kind of segue into how I foster that with my kids. But when I first started my business, which was 20 something years ago, I started with my oldest son, who my oldest biological son, who's 24 right now. So, wow, that was 24 years ago. I'm aging myself. But <laughs> <laughs> I was literally 25. And at the time, I had just graduated from college. And, you know, I had a, a young son. And, you know, back then it was not, it was kind of like, oh, your life's over. You know what I mean? Like you're a single mom, you've got this infant and you're just graduating from college. What's next for you? You know, where, where's your life going to go? And so I would hear that from people and I'm like, you know what? No, that's not going to be me. I'm not going to be a statistic. That's just not what I'm going to do. So I had gotten an offer from this gentleman who who had seen me trying to start a graphic design company in Baltimore, where I was from. And he's like, oh, man, you need to come down to Atlanta. That's where it's happening. You know, that's like the black Mecca for businesses right now. Come down. I'll set you up in a studio. And, you know, all the record labels are down here. And so, you know, as a young mom, I'm like all excited. I'm naive as all get out. Okay, so no contracts, no nothing, you know, just went down there on a wing and a prayer and packed everything in a U-Haul and my son included. And here we go. So we drive from Baltimore to Atlanta and, you know, I had 
pre-gotten a apartment for us and it was in this nice little area, you know, because the promise of what kind of money I was going to be making was real, quote unquote. So I get down there, girl, and he is nowhere to be found, this man. Oh my God. So I'm sitting there literally, and I have always been, I'm the oldest of three kids and three sisters, and I have always been the one who was the risk taker, the one who would just get up and move, the one who would, you know, confidence really always came good for, came naturally for me. But that was a whammy. And so to, you know, to leave where I was from and born and raised with, you know, with this feeling of, no, I'm going to go conquer the world, even with my young son. And I'm just going to do this thing because this single mother stigma is not going to be me. And I get down there and then I'm feeling stupid, you know, like, oh, my God, what did I just do? And so I'm literally sitting there and everything is still in the U-Haul truck. We bring it in. Everything's still in boxes. And I had already prepaid for, you know, the 30 days for the one month. But girl, I have five hundred dollars in my pocket. And I was like, okay, this is not where, and that rent was way more than that. So there was that moment, that crossroads of, do I just pack it all back up and go back home? Or do I unpack and I got to figure something out? And so the confidence or the audacity, I like to call it of how you, that was kind of a ballsy move to say, okay, you know what, I'm just going to stay here because I could have easily moved back and taken that $500 and gone back and just, you know, kind of reset. But I was like, you know what, I can't do that because no, not only would it be unfair to me, but my son is going to hear this story at some point in his life. And I don't want him to know that my mom gave up, that my mom, something hit her hard and she was like, oh, well, I'll just go back. And, you know, no, I wanted him to see me as the fighter. Like, okay, we got knocked down, but we're going to get up and we're going to get up swinging and we're going to be the champion. So this episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. What ended up happening was I put his crib together. That was the only thing that I unpacked. Some of his, you know, things that we needed right away. And I put my computer on a milk crate. I'll never forget it. Turned the milk crate over. I didn't have a desk or anything. And I, I put it on a milk crate and I sat there and I said, okay, I called the one person that I knew in all of Atlanta and asked, he happened to be in charge of the promotions at a nightclub in Atlanta, one of the most popular ones. And I said, okay, you know what, if anything, I can do party flyers. So I was like, okay, let me call him and let me ask him for a meeting. So he set the meeting mostly because I think he just, you know, I didn't know this man very well. And girl, 
when I tell you I walked in that meeting, like I had a Porsche sitting outside and I was living in a penthouse downtown Atlanta. Girl, I walked in. You would never have known that my computer is sitting home on a milk crate. Okay. Oh my gosh. And that, oh my God. And then I had to like ask the neighbor to watch my son for a minute so I can well, come up here. And I walked out of there though. And I always attribute it to confidence because if, if you walk into a situation where you're unsure of yourself and you ooze that kind of uncertainty about your own worth, that people pounce on it and they are whew, they are not afraid to really like tear you down. So I went in there and I just asked for what I wanted. And I walked out of there with a contract. So he was like, okay, let's see how you do for the first couple ones. So I did and I knocked it out of the park and then it led to a year long contract. So thank God I was able to stay. And from that, my business just took off like wildfire. And so that's the story I get to tell my son. And that's the story that I now get to tell my other kids. And so they've only ever known me as an entrepreneur. They've only ever known mommy as working her own business. And she's home every day when we get home. And, you know, she's here in the morning when we leave and she's able to go with us to field trips and things like that. But I always wanted them to see the hard work of it too. Like, you know what, mommy's sitting at my desk and I'm working. Like when, it's, when you leave and you come home, I'm working until five and that's what you're going to see. And it's important too that they also see the work after too. So, you know, they come to my events and they'll, you know, during the setup piece and they see, oh my God, you did all this. This is what you've been working on for weeks and months and months. So I think the confidence of, you know, they've also seen me not do well and then have to figure that out too. And I'm, I want them to know like, okay, when the recession came, like, ooh. Mommy might not be able to get all those Christmas gifts this year. We're going to have to do something a little different, you know, and, but then they also see the good times. They see the PlayStation show up, you know, and so it's this thing where they see the roller coaster ride of entrepreneurship, but they also see, don't ever let it be, don't let the defeats define you. Like you have to let the successes define you and keep you moving forward, but be okay with the bumps in the road because it just makes you propel further along like faster and smarter the next time. So with faith, I think that, you know, I was still a single mom when I had faith too. So, you know, my two oldest kids, they've seen me be by myself and they didn't see me as a wife and they didn't see me have, you know, someone else in the house, you know, helping and all of that. And so my younger two kids, I had when I was married, so they know that experience, but my older two have a different vision and version of me. And so I believe that sense of confidence I try to instill in them in that you got to try, try it and let's see what happens. If it works, oh my God, we're all celebrating. If it doesn't, well, what'd you learn? And then let's do the next thing better the next time. One of the things I wanted to mention about you showing up for that job interview and saying like you like trying to pull it off, like, yeah, I live in the penthouse down the street and like, (laughs) there's no way I'm just living with my milk crate computer desk (laughs) next to me. I think that that's you showing up knowing or as who you know you are in the process of becoming. And that's so powerful that like, it doesn't even feel like you're faking it if you know, like, this is who I'm becoming. So like, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to show up as this person because I know I'm on my way there. And like, what a huge thing to model to your kids. And that it sounds like Faith has a lot of that in her. And like, that's such a gift. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes as moms, we don't really set out to teach our kids life lessons, right? Like, it wasn't (laughs) like I had a confidence book and I'm like, okay, here's my checklist. I'm going to teach her this, 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 and this. We're in phase three of confidence training. (laughs) Exactly. You know, and, and sometimes it happens by accident. And honestly, I didn't know she had that until recently. And I've started to see it manifest itself. And it's like, whoa, I'm a bomb ass mom. (laughs) Right. I'm patting myself on the back and everything. I'm going to take some credit for this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, these kids are paying attention. And I'm like, you know what? That is, that was eye opening, even for my younger ones coming up and say, they are watching. Oh yeah. And they are listening. Yeah. And they are definitely being modeled by what's happening when they see. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. So like you've mentioned, you've been an entrepreneur since day one, you know, for over 20 years now. So can you mm-hmm. talk about how that is? And I always ask, I love this question around like, how has motherhood and entrepreneurship, how have those journeys been parallel to each other or even intersected? And I always, I often think that 
our journey in motherhood has a ton of influence as our journey in our professional life. And so sometimes it's our professional life in corporate, but I think even in entrepreneurship, I think it's even more so that motherhood journey often mimics and has a lot of intersection with that professional entrepreneurial journey. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's the biggest motivator ever. So, you know, when you have no boss, but yourself, you know, your clients to a certain degree are your, your bosses, you know, and they turn over. So, you know, you have that luxury of, oh, well, okay. I didn't like this project and you were a client from hell. See ya. You're done after 30 days, you know, and as moms, we can't do that. Right. So we have to learn how to deal with our children, our husband, or whatever, they're all the nuances of their personalities and all that thing. And we have to deal with that as entrepreneurs because our client base turns over so frequently. So to me, it feels like as a mom, I'm able to have a certain level of, uh, what do you call that? Like, well, patience for one. And then that extra drive to make sure that everything I say and I do is going to affect my paycheck directly. You know, and it's a little different than when you're in corporate America. When you're in corporate America, which I would be fired on day one if I had a corporate (laughs) job. I mean, listen, this is a great idea. We're going to do this. Okay. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We're going to start over. But, you know, in corporate America, you got to go through so many hoops and everything else. And I'm like, listen, I don't have time for that. Y'all move too slow for me. So with being a mom, though, it's the biggest motivator. You have to win. There is no, and as a single mom specifically, you have to win. Like that is the bread and butter. That is your livelihood depends upon you showing up. You just can't, you know, mommy's sick, but oh, we're going to pop some DayQuil. We're going to keep it moving. Like there is no sick day. There's none of that. So one, it allows me to be able to deal with multiple clients and the nuances of personalities because our kids are that way, right? And so you have to juggle. And with five, you've had lots of practice with multiple personalities. Girl, and they are all different, okay? All of them. I'm like, good gracious. And But it also teaches us to multitask a lot better too because we're multitasking a bunch of things. But the greatest thing is the ability to be able to create the lifestyle I want, as a mom for my kids. So for me, it was super important because my mom wasn't there a lot of time when we were young. So it was important for me to be home when the kids got home. It was important for me to be able to go on field trips when they had field trips. It was important for me to be able to go to parent-teacher conferences. I want them to see me and I want to be able to help them with their homework and all of those things. And at corporate, I see some of my friends who are in corporate America and that's great. It's just not for everyone. And so, but I see them struggling on, you know, how do they balance time? And even as an entrepreneur, you know, I don't want to put it out there like we got all this time because, oh, heck no, I feel like I'm working <laughs> never 40 hours plus, you know, on a regular basis. Right. If you're not actively working, you're working in your head. <laughs> yes, yes. Or every time I sit down at my computer, I feel bad. Like, oh my God, I'm sitting on my computer. They know I'm working, you know. And so, you know, but it's right there. You know, you start thinking or, you know, whatever. But it feels like work never ends when you're an entrepreneur. But there is that intersection between motherhood and entrepreneurship. And I wouldn't trade it for the world for me personally, but you know, it's not for everybody. But, and then the other thing too, is that when you're winning and you're building a business that you can be proud of, there's things that then I can do to help uplift other women who want to do this, but don't know how. And they want to get out there and they want to be able to be home and they want to be able to have that kind of time and to dedicate to their kids if they can. And they want to build a legacy that they can pass down to their kids if they want to or build something of their own and create a lifestyle around what they want and not what their job tells them it needs to be. A lot of people are afraid to take that step because it is scary. I ain't even going to lie. Listen, I cried like straight up ugly cry in Atlanta when I sat there. Like it was not even funny. But there's so much joy on the other side if you know how to do it and you know how to navigate it and you know how to kind of prep yourself for the bumps that are coming. And then so it's not super scary when they come. You know, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm to the point where, you know, I've hustled. I am 48 years old and I have hustled my ass off, you know, as a business owner for 20 something years. And now I feel like it's my duty to show up as the best mom I can for my family, be the best wife I can for my husband, but also to leave a business that my kids can either be a part of or that it's there and it's sustainable enough where we can do the fun things we want to do. And then I also want to encourage and empower other women that y'all can get out here and you can do 
party planning. Like you can do this. I want to take what I know and all the bumps and bruises I've had. And you don't have to do that. Like it's not a, like a prerequisite when you start your own business, you got to go through all the bumps and bruises. Right. Right. Like, let me teach you. So you don't have to. Yeah. Right. Right. Like that's just so stupid to me. So yeah. I'm like, listen, if I had the playbook girl, I would have bought that thing back in the day. Okay. Let's try. Yes. I love this. Okay. So tell people what you do with your business now, because I know you help you support other women in becoming party planners and making money as party planners, because I think this is like the thing. I mean, you and I have this in common because we've been in the similar coaching or in the same coaching circle, but it's okay to monetize a thing that you really love that you're really good at. That's really fun and like make a lot of money doing it. You don't have like, just because it's fun doesn't mean like it's not okay or that you should feel bad making money doing it. And I think there's a lot of people, I think there's a lot of moms in particular who have these hobbies that they could be making money on and they feel like it would be like unethical to monetize them. And I think that you and I would say like, go make some bank on the thing that you love to do, right? Yes, yes. So I'll let you take it from there. (laughs) Yeah. So I actually, I started off with party planning as a hobby. So, you know, when I first started my business, it was a graphic design business. And so when I moved to Los Angeles and I was living there, I started getting into a lot of my clients were asking me to do things for their events. So I started moving into more of the event graphic design piece of it. And so I just got intrigued by the party planning process of it and how it goes from an idea to an event. Similar to graphic design, it goes from your idea to a paper or, you know, it comes out on the other side as this thing. Right. And so... I just got bit by that bug, but I started doing parties for my own friends and family and, you know, for my own kids and all that. And and it was a hobby, you know, at that point. And I was doing it for free. So, you know, I'm obviously I'm doing my kids parties free, but also when people would see my parties and they would ask, you know, oh my God, can you do my kids party? Blah, blah. I had zero idea how to turn that into any kind of a business. And as an entrepreneurial person, that's my life hello, duh, right? So I'm like, if anybody knows how to turn this into a business, it would be me. So finally, but it took a minute. It took a minute to get over that little hurdle of, is this a frivolous hobby? You know, like, is this serious enough to turn into a business? Like graphic design is one thing, corporate, you know, people are paying me good money and all that thing. But party planning seemed, I don't know, it just seemed like I have, would have zero idea on how to charge and all that. So I went out there and I just started doing it and making up pricing as I'm going along, girl, making zero money. I mean, my God, and making all the mistakes and, you know, just, I could have been so much further along in my business if I hadn't known what not to do. And, you know, that to me is bigger than knowing what to do, the not to do's, because the not to do's come with price tags. You know what I mean? When you do something wrong, that comes with money most times. And so, you know, and then if you're not doing what you're doing and not making the proper money for it, burnout is the next thing on the list. And so you burn yourself out and then you're like, oh, forget it. And you give up, you know? And so I just said, I remember sitting on the bed and I was talking to my husband. I'm like, oh my God, he is going to think I'm like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs if I tell him I want open a party planning business. You know, he's seen me doing all these things for free and he's probably like, really, Tanya? So literally I sat there and had this conversation with him about how, listen, I want to open up this party planning business. I want to do this for money. You know, you've seen me for years doing this with my graphic design company. I want to hybrid my company. So I did and he was supportive and I was shocked that he was supportive. So sometimes you never know where people are. You just got to go for it. Throw the damn rock. So yeah. I threw the rock. You know? We assume our partners are going to not be supportive. If we feel a little bit uncertain or insecure, we're like, oh, well, they're going to really not get it. But then, yeah, in many cases, they're like, yeah, go do you. Like, I want to see you thrive and succeed and all the things. Yeah, yeah. So I get that from a lot of women that I work with now, though. They're like afraid to, you know, have a conversation with their husbands. I'm like, listen, I was there. Just do it. You got to throw the rock and you got to be confident when you do it, though, because the more confident you are about presenting yourself, the more confident they're going to feel that you're going to win. And then I tell them, listen, you don't have to know all the things because there are people out there like me who are passionate about making sure that other women win. You got it. If you want to do it, that's half the battle. The want is that's going to drive you, you know, and what's your why and all that. That's going to propel you forward. But then you got to have the know-how of how to do it because you don't want to burn out. You don't want to make costly mistakes. You don't want any of that. So what I've decided to do was to take my all my expertise of event planning because now I've got a six-figure business now. And so when I started, I literally nothing. Like it was a nothing business. So 
what I had to go through to get it to that point and, you know, what things to do, what not to do. I put it all into a course called Partypreneurs 101. And so I came up with that name. Actually, a friend of mine mentioned it in passing it. And I was like, that's it. That's the name. I love it. <laughs> and it just speaks volumes, right? It's like Partypreneur. You know exactly what that is. And so showing women how to create an actual sustainable business from throwing parties and not just have it be a side hustle where, you know, you're just kind of doing a fly by night, but how to really regiment it, how to make it sustainable, how to make that income reliable. And even if you do want to keep it as a side hustle, for God's sake, do not do it for free. Like have that be a part-time job for you. You know what I mean? Like look at it as everything as a money generating activity. Don't just give away your time and talent for free because people will take it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love this. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I was actually just recently on your partypreneur site and it's amazing. And you literally like, I feel like you have a course or option for every question, hang up, struggle, obstacle that a party planner could possibly encounter. Yes. So if they want to connect with you, if they want to follow you, if they want to see more about your business, all of the things, where can they go and find more about Tanya and Partypreneurs. Yep. So the partypreneurschool.com is the website and it's spelled just like you hear it, partypreneurschool.com. And there you'll get all the information on all of the courses. There's 10 different courses. The first eight will walk you step-by-step through the exact process on how to start from an idea and how to get that sucker to a money-making party planning business by the end of it. There's two extra bonus courses if you want to get into designing and setting up candy and dessert tables, which are all the rage. The pictures you have on there are so fun. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I want to have a party just to have cute tables like that. Yes. Yes. And you know what? But if I was to tell you that people are doing that and not charging, it's just, oh my God, they have to be going in the hole so much to produce such things. But anyway, yeah, the difference between what I'm doing and what, you know, you can go to business school and you can learn marketing and you can do all those things. But for me, the reason why you're seeing on the site all the answers to all the questions is because I've been there, done that. You know what I mean? And sometimes it's important to find somebody in your lane and in your industry to learn from because there's so many different nuances and problems and things that will arise for specifically the party and event planning industry that aren't covered in general, like marketing and how to start a business kind of classes. So learning from someone who's walked the walk, I think is super important. And I'm trying to give it to everybody in an affordable way. So all the courses are individually, you can purchase them all individually, or if you're ready to go all in, you can purchase them as a bundle. And I'm really excited to see where people end up taking their businesses moving forward post-COVID. Yes, I know. Post-COVID. I love it. Oh my gosh. It's so much fun. So I want people to go check out your site, figure out how they can monetize their party planning and learn some good lessons from you. And then I want to know last question, in what ways are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? Oh my God. First of all, I am not asking permission ever. So I don't know where that comes with. I don't know if it's over 40 or what that does. But there's, <laughs> there is a new sense. And I've always been confident now, but there's always been, you know, a little bit of cooth with it. You know, now I'm just like, whatever. Yeah, I am showing up in my rawness. I'm showing up my hair. Listen, I would never in a million. I've always been a permed hair type chick. And as a black girl, I never would have my hair curly. I'm like, forget it. I'm showing up with my curly hair, take it or leave it. I'm showing up unapologetically. And no matter what it is I do, I'm being vocal about the things that are passionate for me. I'm showing up for the things that are just right. And I'm instilling in my children to do the same because we don't need to wait for permission from a principal to post, to put up posters in your high school. You don't have to ask permission from your husband to start a business. You don't have to ask permission from yourself. Give yourself permission and just throw the damn rock and watch the ripples. Oh my gosh. Yes, 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 yes. So good that you really brought it home. Well, (laughs) you get the bring it home award today from all the interviews I've done. (laughs) Hey, I'll take it. I take it. (laughs) So good. Oh my gosh. Tanya, thank you for being here. This has been amazing. I want everyone to go over to shamelessmom.com and they can, you can click on the episode with Tanya and get everything that she mentioned will be linked up in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you for being here and tell faith. Thank you for the work that she's doing. I know that our mamas are going to be really inspired hearing the story. And I also think that this will impact. I think that a lot of listeners will go throw a rock that will have ripples. Yes from hearing Faith's story. So that's, I think, a huge lesson and a huge takeaway that we are all going to experience from this. I love it. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.